So I guess the the first question is, uh, how did you first learn of this story? Yeah, it's it, this is one of those stories about, do you discover a story or does a story come to you? And I was, um, I've, I've made one other film before this called Aram Aram. And it was a small coming of age story set here in Los Angeles. But it, it, it luckily was able to reach people across America, Canada, and mm-hmm. Australia. And after I finished presenting the film in Australia, I was reading an article on my way back about a, a case, an extraordinary case involving a human rights violator discovered in America. And I started, you know, clicking and copying and pasting on Google and being like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to learn more about this. And it's a story about three Ethiopian women. And as I read more and more about this story, my jaw just dropped. Yeah. And I said, this is the most incredible story I've never heard. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so I was just gripped by it. And I kind of made a little folder on my computer and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And honestly, I was thinking, well, this is not a story that I could tell. This has to do with women who are from Ethiopia. Their background is so different. Their culture is so different from mine. Who am I to tell the story? But honestly, it just, it wouldn't let go of me. So in 2017, late 2016, I said, you know what? Why don't I try to connect with these women and see if they'd be interested in making a documentary so that more people will know about their journey. And that began this very long process of becoming friends with them building trust with them and bringing them into the process of making the film to make sure that I didn't tell their story in the wrong way, to make sure I served their story correctly. And that was really the genesis. It was just an article I read while traveling. Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it is an extraordinary story. And uh, the way you begin with uh, Edge just being at work one day and all of a sudden she she just recognizes this voice from one of her coworkers, and lo and behold, it's 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 uh, someone who uh, performed these atrocities against her and these other women. I I just can't imagine. I can't imagine what I mean. We we get a really good idea of what the the thought process that's going through their heads as the film unfolds. I, I just can't imagine what that type of scenario is like for somebody. Yeah, it's one of those things that's so um, it's so dark, but it's also so interesting because something I've never been interrogated, I've never been tortured, but it's it was it's interesting that she recognized him because of his voice, mm-hmm. which is such a such a true and telling detail. Because obviously, if you think about it, and I obviously have no way of knowing what it's like for her, but she wasn't staring her interrogator in the face, but she was listening to his voice mm-hmm. for hours and hours and hours yeah. as this was going on. And so, and she told me as well, and it's in the documentary a little bit that she honestly thought she had lost her mind because mm-hmm. the, the coincidence is so unbelievable, yeah. so unlikely that she thought, oh, I must be like, I just cracked. Like, that's it. I'm, and then when his name, when she verified that he had, that you know, this employee's her coworker's name was the same as the man who was in charge of interrogation and torture. Mm-hmm. She realized this is really happening. Yeah, and uh, when when it came to putting the uh, when it came to putting the film together and deciding how you were going to tell this story, uh, what were what were some of the bigger challenges you had in the way you decided to tell this story? Yeah, so this story is told through a combination of interviews, 
uh, with the women and all the lawyers involved. Then there's a bunch of archival material, which is hard to find because this mm-hmm. is archival material from the revolution and the period that followed called the Red Terror in 1970s Ethiopia. And then we shot recreations, so mm-hmm. cinematic sequences. And uh, all of those were very complicated. One, interviews are complicated because it's extremely sensitive material that we're talking about. Uh, so it takes a lot of care and respect and mutual respect and trust. And then for the archival material, I went to Ethiopia and I spent a month there. And every morning I was there for a few hours with our Ethiopian producer, Hermes Wolde Amlak, in the Ethiopian Broadcast Company's archives, going through videotapes. And that's interesting because it's very different than in America there. It's the state-owned media channel. Yeah. So it's a very different experience, a different feeling than going to like ABC or CBS or Fox here, mm-hmm. which is like corporate. Um, so that was a very you know, different experience. And we got, we got to go through all this extraordinary footage that they had in their archives, old tapes. And then the recreations were um, something we didn't originally think we were going to tell the story this way. But when we realized that there's so, uh, there was no footage of the trial, and as one of the women says in the documentary, she said, when somebody tortures you, they don't take pictures, they don't take a video. Right. So we said, for me, I'm trying to t- share the story of these three women's journey through what happened to them. Mm-hmm. So we thought the way to best capture that was to then do these recreations, but to make sure that the women participated and got to see the editing, got to see the cuts, got to t- get, tell me, no, you're going the wrong way with that. That's, that's not how it felt. That's not the, what I meant. And then they could correct us so that we were representing their experience rather than me making up some false experience. Okay. And yeah, that was, that was my next question because of about the recreations, because of the fact that that is such a tricky proposition to do in documentaries because if you don't do it right, you're either being disrespectful to the actual events that happened or it's just going to be so laughably bad that you uh, have a hard time taking the rest of the film seriously. And uh, hearing that the women were basically in charge or basically helping you through that process of recreating that, I that makes that makes it make sense just how resonant those sequences actually get because of the fact that we're um, able to really, you know, I mean, in the courtroom scene, I think, I think the courtroom scene in particular could have been really difficult to sort of take seriously because it's kind of hard not to drawn like the cliches of courtroom dramas that we're used to, but having the women's basically having the women tell their experiences over that footage and just having the footage be silent, essentially. I think that was, that was one of the strongest aspects of the movie from a filmmaking standpoint. And uh, I I think it really uh, helped add weight to those sequences considerably. Well, that's a really interesting insight you have into that scene. And it's almost like you saw an insight into our process of making it. So, you know, when we, we, when we get to the point in the film where we find out what happened to the women, that scene originally was cut with temp music. Mm-hmm. And what I realized, I said, I realized, I said, this is, 
not the right way to tell this part of the story. That was before I even showed it to the women. I said, no, like that's, that's making it melodramatic and this is real suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, this is real trauma. And so that's really interesting. You, you picked up on that. That's really fascinating because uh, we didn't know how people would react to that subtlety of changing the, what you're hearing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. it's, it's, were were there any when it came to uh, getting to know the women? Uh, you you said this was a this was a year years long process. I mean, you you basically yes. started in two thousand seventeen. You said how difficult was it for them to be interviewed about this uh, really painful time in their lives? Well. So you're right. It was a very long process. It started in 2017. 2016 is when I read the article. 2017 is when I said, maybe I'll try. Let me try and connect with these people that were involved and see if they'd be interested in in telling the story in a film. And um, basically, there were many, many, many hours where we would spend talking beforehand. So both on uh, over Skype at the time, there was less Zoom, and also in person. Mm -hmm. So I would go and actually met with them and we didn't talk about the film we talked about everything but the film we didn't talk about their past we talked about everything but their past Mm -hmm. we just chatted like people getting to know each other and that was an opportunity i realized afterwards for them to just feel out what kind of person i am Mm -hmm. and was and whether or not they want to uh, engage in this relationship of making this film with me or not and that was totally in their in their court they're all very very strong women very Mm -hmm. strong not just for what they've endured, but for what they've accomplished in their lives after. So they have no problem saying no. Mm-hmm. You know, they will not be pushed around, which I love. I respect them a lot. And then in the interviews itself, I mean, luckily I've done about 100 interviews or so filmed before this mm-hmm. for different projects, for, for higher work or, or other projects. So I had some feeling of, of uh, how to work with someone when you're trying to go through their life mm-hmm. in a way that makes sense because life is chaotic in a way that doesn't make sense for a movie. And um, what I did was that to say each day then when we would do an interview, because there were several days we would do interviews, sometimes spaced out by months, sometimes spaced out by a day or two days is that I'd say, okay, here's what I'd like to cover today. And then say, does that sound good to you? Mm-hmm. So, so it's not that I'm saying I'm going to ambush you. It's saying, I'm going to let you know, and be emotionally prepared. And if you're on board as well, then we move forward. Because okay. um, I felt like that was the respectful way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Was there ever time, how much, because I mean, we do get, we do get for the historical context of what the Red Terror was in Ethiopia, was there ever, was there ever a challenge of either putting worrying about putting too much of that in to give the larger picture uh, over the women's experience? Or was it, was it pretty clear that you, you kind of knew that you were going to, uh, how much context you wanted to add of that situation, that situation, uh, and so we could just focus on what the women were going through? Uh, again, it's almost like you've, you've been watching our filmmaking process. <laughs> this is like a really interesting that you, you're, 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 you're have an insight into this. So the original cut of the film had, was an hour longer with an mm-hmm. hour more history, one hour extra history. 
because we were trying to figure out what do we need to explain to an American audience, Yeah. right? Ethiopian audience will, will know the history and our history in America is quite short and their history is vast, extraordinarily vast and, and complex. Mm-hmm. So it became the story like, well, how far back do we need to go into the, the mythology and the origins of, of Ethiopia and the country of Ethiopia? Because it's a fascinating history. There's lots yeah. of fascinating things. It was never colonized. The only country in Africa besides uh, Liberia that was never colonized. They were occupied by Italy for five years, but like incredible, an incredible legacy. That alone could be 30 minutes to, mm-hmm. to, to inform Americans and North Americans about this or Westerners who don't know the history. So, but that's not what the story's about. So we found um, one is that we thought, okay, we need to serve the story. So the story isn't the history of Ethiopia. The story is what do you need to understand and most people I've met in America and traveling in the West don't know that highly, everybody knows Haile Selassie. A lot of people know it from Rastafari culture. Uh, but Haile Selassie was the emperor for decades in, in Ethiopia. And then in 1974, there was the Ethiopian revolution. And out of the chaos of that revolution, a military uh, uh, tribunal or military uh, committee took power temporarily to set up elections. And out of that, with many other events happening, a, a dictator came to power and in, named Megistu. And in that, um, amidst that chaos and that power struggle, uh, arose a period of great violence called the Red Terror, which was a purge of any suspected opposition members in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, so our, our objective was to figure out how do we balance the story so that it, it doesn't just appeal to history buffs, but rather we're going on an emotional journey with mm-hmm. these women in their, what turned out to be historic attempts to bring a torture to justice in Atlanta. What was the, what was the biggest thing that you got out of the experience of making this movie? Wow. I mean, I have to say, it turned out to be a much more emotionally emotional roller coaster than I ever expected personally in my personal mm-hmm. life. Going through this journey of creating a relationship with the women, which I've interviewed lots of people, but I've never developed a friendship in that process. I've never, it's usually been more just a short, I'm gonna come in and interview you, shoot it and move on. So that is profound because now they're, they're these women that I respect greatly that I am also honored to call my friends as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going to Ethiopia, which I'd never been to uh, for a month there. And we were able to, with Ermias Waldi Amnak, our, our producer there, we were able to find the locations where the women were interrogated and tortured and shoot there, which is sort of a, an incredible experience, but also emotionally very uh, complicated experience to be in a room where people that you know and you really care about had something really, really horrible happen to them. Is sort of uh, something I've never experienced living here in the States and in my other projects. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is just here in Los Angeles, we could have made this project without the support of the local Ethiopian community and the little Ethiopian cultural center uh, who helped us to connect with uh, about 50 or 60 members of the Ethiopian community who are actually in our film representing mm-hmm. Ethiopian people that in the story. And members of the Ethiopian community. And that was really moving 
because it was multiple generations. It was the next generation, you know, young adults, mm-hmm. and it was a generation that themselves had survived atrocities. So that day of filming, for me, I almost broke down crying because I was so struck by uh, the emotional experience of having people from that community come to support the film, to be in it. Uh, and I just wasn't, I just wasn't prepared for uh, the emotional power of that experience. Um, so it's been a real, um, it's been an, I, I'm very grateful to all the people in the different communities of Ethiopia, from Atlanta to Los Angeles to Canada and Addis Ababa, who, who came together to be part of this project. Uh, one more, one more question. Uh, what, what do you hope that audiences take away from this film, other than just getting to know these extraordinary women who went through this unbelievably hellish experience? Yeah, I mean, um, it's fascinating because this project took four years to make. So America in 2017 is is a different place than America today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a couple of themes that are important from that I hope I hope some one of them at least connect with some people. Uh, one is the fact that these women are survivors mm-hmm. and they came forward to say, this is what happened to me. And the lawyers that they went to say, this is the human rights lawyers. They went to say, this is what happened to me. Those lawyers believe them. Mm-hmm. And that's those two steps of them having the courage to bring up the worst that ever happened to them. And then being, and that the survivors were believed. That was the only thing that allowed this case to go forward yeah. and to become the historic case it was. And that resonates in a really shocking and powerful way today. And I think the other thing is part of the style of this film is I hope to be able to connect the story and bring the story to college students as well. So we tried not to make it dry. We tried to make it an emotional journey mm-hmm. because it's only three women who came to America and have no power, right? They came as refugees. Mm-hmm. They barely, you know, they didn't, they didn't speak English like a native person does. They didn't have money. They didn't have contacts but they had a will to fight for justice. So they didn't have any of the connections that people needed, generally need in our capitalist society, but they were, had courage and tenacity and they made a difference in this world. So I don't want to give away the end of the film, but I hope that, that people see that and maybe they, they connect that, that if these three women can make a difference, maybe when I'm watching this and I'm a college student at home and I'm wondering if I can make a difference in the world, they can see definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So that's my hope. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk to me today. It was a, it is just an overwhelming experience, but it's also one that I do think uh, provides some inspiration, not only for what these women were able to do, but what they were able to overcome. And uh, thank you very much for uh, bringing this story to to the world through cinema. Well, again, thank you for taking time. Anybody who takes an hour and a half out of their life to watch this film, I just want to say thank you. And I hope more people get to know about these three women who to me are American heroes. We need to remember, you know, refugees and immigrants are what make America, Mm -hmm. America. So I just want to say thank you to you. It's an honor to be on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh no problem. Thank you. And uh this is this is the world premiere event, right? Yeah, this is the very first time anyone will be able to see this in the public. So Friday, April 30th at 8 30 p.m. 
at the Plaza Theater Atlanta uh, is the very first time anyone's we're doing one night only special event outdoor mm-hmm. screening. So it's going to be drive in style. Yeah. And uh, I think tickets are already selling pretty quickly. So we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see how many are available, but we wanted to make our premiere meaningful because amidst COVID, you know, you see people go to Sundance, Tribeca, wherever, and, and you never hear anything because no one's gathering together. There's mm-hmm. no moment. So we said, instead, let's try to focus on how can we make this meaningful? I said, well, let's go to the city that supported these women to begin with mm-hmm. and show our appreciation and say, let's, this is the first time anyone can see this in public and it's going to be in Atlanta where it all be, where at least that stage of it all began. Yeah. And, uh, this, you know, this is, this is actually my third year covering the Atlanta film festival. And I, oh. you know, I, I can say that, you know, based on my previous two experiences, it's like, I, I think this, I think this movie is going to connect really well with the audience there. So I, I wish you luck in the, with the premiere, but I, I think it's going to be something that resonates really well with that audience. That's amazing to hear because I have no idea. You know, I'm so inside of it. Um, but also if people, you know, want details on where we're screening and how to see it, they can just hit us up on social media, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're at a fire within doc and I'll be reposting the details. So it's cause it's, there's lots of stuff going on right now. It's a little confusing. Um, but I really appreciate it. It's really, uh, means a lot from my heart to anyone who gives a moment for this story. So thank oh, no you. No problem. Thank you very much.